It's time for America Outdoors Radio, the show that covers the outdoor scene across the U.S. of A. and the entire continent. Fishing, hunting, conservation, outdoor recreation, and great destinations, we cover it all every week. It's your country, your outdoors. Let's explore it together with your host, John Cruz. Welcome to the show. I was getting ready for a bass fishing trip earlier this week and open up an old green Plano tackle box that belonged to my late father. What I found inside was a time capsule of bass lures. We are talking about some really old wooden plugs from the 1950s, but also some plastic plugs still in the box from the 1970s. These are lures that don't get used much anymore, but I'm thinking they should. I mean, it's not like a lot of bass have seen these lures in years. We're talking about lures like the Hedden River Runt, the Arbogast Jitterbug, and of course, the Arbogast Hula Popper. I've got some very fond memories of fishing all three of these lures as a teenager, learning to become a bass angler, and you know what? All three of these lures work really good and I think I'm actually going to take that hula popper and put it in my top water box for this upcoming trip I'm going on and just for old time's sake and of course to have a part of my father with me I'll be fishing that hula popper during the morning top water bite I'll let you know how it goes speaking of old school fishing we've got a great guest for you today who has been tying flies and catching both trout and bass long before many of us were born that would be Harry Murray the owner of Murray's Fly Shop in Edinburgh Virginia Harry is celebrating 60 years of owning his fly shop this year we'll talk to Harry about that and also share a May trout and bass fishing report with you while we're at it. After that, we'll get Sean Skipper on the line. He's with Loophold Optics. They've got quite the contest going on. It's called Project Hunt, and you're invited to apply an audition for a chance to have a videographer from Loophold and Stevens accompany you on a hunt this fall or winter and have that hunt produced by their creative content staff as a short film or miniseries that will be shared with thousands and thousands of viewers. There will be one, maybe two hunts chosen for Project Hunt this year, and this sounds like a really cool opportunity. Sticking with hunting, we've got an update for you about that corner crossing case in Wyoming. As you may recall, we spoke with somebody from Backcountry Hunters and Anglers about this case a few weeks ago, where four Missouri hunters were cited for criminal trespass after using a stepladder to cross from one corner of public land to another corner of public land without ever setting foot on the ground of the landowner who owned the adjacent corners of land. That case went to trial last week and will not only tell you what the verdict was, but also what this ruling may mean for other hunters wishing to access previously inaccessible public lands when we check in with Pete Kassab from BHA Today. Our final guest of the day, that would be Brooks Hansen, our man from Camp Chef. Camping season is about to get going in full swing and he's going to share some great camp cooking tips that will make your experience so much easier and tastier than it's been before. In addition to this, we'll be highlighting some Northeast deer poachers on our trail of shame today, and I'll share a programming note with you about next week's show because, as I alluded to, I am going on a bass fishing trip to a faraway place, and I want you to know exactly where I'm going because if you like to catch big bass and lots of them, I think you'll want to go there too. Next on America Outdoors Radio, if you find yourself in Edinburgh, Virginia, near the North Fork of the Shenandoah, you've got to stop in at Murray's Fly Shop. 
It's been there quite a while, 60 years to be exact. And with us here to tell you more about the 60th anniversary of this establishment is the owner, Harry Murray. Harry, welcome to the show and congratulations. John, I sure do appreciate it. It's a pleasure to be with you. How can we help you folks today? Well, I just want to hear the story of your fly shop. 60 years ago, you started this. What were you, just right out of college or high school? Yep, I had just graduated from college. I graduated from the pharmacy school at the Medical College of Virginia, and I bought a drugstore here in the town of Edinburgh, and I was tying some flies professionally. So I'd sit in the back room of my drugstore at that time, and tie flies when I wasn't filling prescriptions. And then if I had to stop tying flies, I'd go fill the prescriptions and away we'd go. So eventually I bought the building that I'm in now. That would probably have been about 50 years ago. And I expanded the fly shop tremendously. I did hang on to the prescription department for most of those years. I did discontinue the prescription department about five years ago. It was interfering with my fly shop. So first things first. So now we're we're primarily a fly shop catering to the mountain trout fishermen and the smallmouth bass fishing. I've written 17 books on all this, and a lot of the boys use them as guides. And I teach about all... 50 schools a year on both bass and trout. And then uh, my son does a lot of schools for me. But we enjoy it a whole lot. I designed the flies, and then I've trained a boy here locally to tie most of my flies. But it's just a lot of fun, and it provides a need in this geographical part of the country for both smallmouth and we have the Shenandoah National Park only an hour away. So it gives us wild brook trout and smallmouth bass right here beside Edinburgh. Oh, that is a great story. Got to ask... What is your most famous fly in terms of the one that most people buy, and is it for trout Well, for the trout fishing in the mountain streams, I was teaching a class at Lord Fairfax College, and I had two older gentlemen that asked me to come up with a fly that would float like a cork, something they could see on the water, and something that would match the aquatic insects that are hatching early in the year. Well, that was the Mr. Rapidan dry fly, and Now we sell thousands of those because it is very, very effective. And now that would be on the trout. Now on the bass end of it, the Murray's Helgramite is definitely our biggest seller. And personally, it's my favorite fly. I caught a good smallmouth on it last year, bigger than anything I've had in the last 10 years. So the Murray's Helgramite would be the number one smallmouth fly for us. So let's talk May fishing. We'll start off in Shenandoah National Park. How's that going to be for the brookies? Well, John, we like to fish the whole park. I've written a book, Trout Fishing in Shenandoah National Park. There are 21 streams that are accessible off the Skyline Drive. Now, the major aquatic hatches take place in April and May. It's really good right now. It stays good throughout the season as long as we're getting good rains. Year before last, we had good rains all summer held up real well. Last year, we didn't get a whole lot of rain the latter part of the summer, so the trout fishing in the mountain got pretty tough. But, you know, the fish have a way of surviving. 
only I only know of two cases that the streams actually went dry because of that low rainfall we had last year. But they come back. They, they've experienced this for thousands of years, so I'm not really concerned about the low water because they've, they've gotten acclimated to it. And, and they can jump with They've got to go upstream to try to find a, a spring or something like that. A little brook trout can jump three feet. So he's pretty adept at taking care of what needs to be done. Let's talk about fishing for smallmouth bass during the month of May. I mean, you've got the North Fork of the Shenandoah just a hop, skip, and a jump away from your fly shop. Yeah, they're right here beside us. The, uh, the North Fork is one mile from Edinburgh. The South Fork is two miles from Edinburgh. The primary area we fish on the North Fork would be from Newmarket downstream through, well, say, down to Strasburg. Then on the South Fork, my favorite area is from the Front Royal area on down to Secrets Landing. And it, it's all good even way beyond that up and downstream, but those are the areas I like best. Prime season-wise, let's say, for trout, on the wild brook trout, we don't fish for stock trout, but on the wild brook trout, prime Prime season is from early March until October. On the smallmouth bass, it's middle of May until early October. So we've got a span there that pretty much provides what we need throughout the entire season. Then during the winter, I sit here and do slideshows and do schools and all that type thing. Well, I'll tell you what, folks, it sounds like it is getting to be prime time to head to Virginia, do some fishing for some of those mountain brook trout and for some of those feisty smallmouth bass, and the place to drop in at is Murray's Fly Shop. You can also shop online. Just go to murraysflyshop.com. That's murraysflyshop.com. Or drop by the fly shop in Edinburgh and say hi to Harry and the crew and wish him a happy 60th anniversary. Harry, congratulations. Thanks for sharing this with us today on America Outdoors Radio. Thank you so much for calling, John. It's been a pleasure. We've got one more thing to share before we go to a quick commercial break, and that would be about that Help Wanted sign that's been out at Sportsman's Cove Lodge in southeast Alaska. They did find a charter boat captain and a good one, too, so that position is closed, but they've still got a couple of openings for a kitchen assistant and on their hospitality team. So if you're looking to work in a beautiful place this summer, get well paid, have all of your room and board taken care of, and have some wonderful memories that you'll reflect on the rest of your life and maybe even go back there for several years coming, go to alaskasbestlodge.com. That's the website for Sportsman's Cove Lodge, alaskasbestlodge.com. Go to the Contact Us page, look for employment opportunities, fill out an application, and you might find yourself in Alaska in a few weeks. Country hunters and anglers. You may have heard of us, but what are we about? BHA is the voice for your wild public lands, waters, and wildlife. From national level policy work to boots on the ground projects like public land cleanups, we work across North America to uphold the legacy of our public lands and waters, as well as your opportunity to hunt, fish, and recreate on them. Stand up for public lands and waters and become a BHA member today. Visit backcountryhunters.org. 
Come explore the Dalles in Oregon for outdoors fun. Hike amongst the wildflowers, bike our riverfront trail, or visit the Gorge Discovery Center where you can enjoy a live raptor display. Or even check out our National Neon Sign Museum. But don't forget the fishing. We've got salmon, steelhead, bass, walleye, and monster-sized sturgeon waiting just for you. When the day is done, tell those tall tales at one of our wineries, breweries, or restaurants and plan your next adventure. Find out more at explorethedalles.com. You're back in with America Outdoors Radio. I'm John Cruz. We've got Sean Skipper on the line. He's with Loophold and Stevens, that wonderful optics company based in Beaverton, Oregon. And they've got something very interesting coming up for all of you who have ever wanted to have your hunt filmed and shared with not only friends, but all sorts of people all over the world. Sean, welcome to the show. John, thank you. Always good to visit with you, and I hope things are going very well for you. Life is good indeed, and I think life's going to be pretty good for somebody else if they get their hunt filmed. Loopholds Project Hunt. Tell us about this program. All right, so this is the second year of our Project Hunt contest, so if it sounds familiar, that's why we ran a similar promo last year. And the, the gist is simple. Uh, we know that every hunter out there has their own story, and we just really want to tell it. So what we're, we're asking folks to do is between now, really, and June 18th, go to our website, loophole.com slash project hunt, submit an application. The form will, will walk you through the details we need. And, you know, one lucky winner, maybe two lucky winners will be chosen to have their hunt filmed this coming fall or uh, winter. The hunt's got to take place before March 1st, 2023, so we're covering the winter as well. And that's kind of the, the short version, right? We will pay for the videographer. We'll send him or her along on your hunt, let them follow you around, get some great footage, great photos. Uh, there are some other prizes included in the whole package. But what we're trying to do is really tap into that loophole core consumer, right? Nobody is more relentless than our consumers, and we're asking them to help us prove it by going on the hunt of a lifetime or, you know, going on that classic family hunt they've always been doing and letting us tell that story and share it with the world. How are you going to share the story once it's filmed? So it'll all depend on how things shake out. The way we've said it is the project could wind up being a short film, you know, five to ten minutes, or it could wind up being a miniseries. It all depends on the hunt, right? If, if this is something that wraps up in a day or two, then we may wind up turning it in, into a film. If this is something where we gather an incredible amount of usable content, you know, it's two weeks in the mountains and we were chased by grizzly bears, then okay, this might be a short, this might be a miniseries. It will, it'll, we'll kind of let the story tell itself organically. And this is going to be shared on your digital media platform, so we're talking Facebook, YouTube, that sort of thing? Oh, absolutely. It'll be on the Loophole YouTube page. It'll be on the Loophole website. We will do kind of mini bits that we'll, we'll market on our social media, so Instagram, Facebook, TikTok, the whole deal. And honestly, we, we will probably wind up sharing the series publicly as well. We haven't done one in a while, but in the past we've done movie nights and things like that, so we will probably debut the film or series at something like that, perhaps at the Pacific Northwest Sportsman Show next year, now that the world's kind of gradually creeping closer to normal on uh, in-person events. Oh, that sounds like a great idea. So let's talk about who won last year. That might give our listeners an idea of what kind of trip they ought to audition for this year. So last year, we, you know, we at the time going in, we were only planning on selecting one winner, but we've, we just got so many strong applications that we set, we chose two. 
So we had uh, a couple of applicants. The first, a guy named Matt Hicks. He was on a sheep hunt in the West. I'm not going to give away his location. You'll have to watch the film to, to learn a little bit more. So Matt submitted a fantastic application, and we sent a team down to film him. But we also settled on a fellow named Jesse Shiner out of Colorado who you know, was doing more of a, a DIY friend hunt that he and several other veterans, they're all veterans, do every year. And his story was also fantastic. And we said, you know what, we're going to we're gonna dig down deep, find a little extra budget and hire another video team and send them with Jesse and his crew as well. So we aren't really limiting ourselves to one person or one family or one group. If we get enough fantastic applications, we're going to try to make it work. Because like I said, what we want to do here is tell the stories of hunters across the country, tell the story of our consumer. And if, if we've got a bunch that need to be told, we're going to tell I absolutely love this. And, and again, what an opportunity to literally chronicle your hunt of a lifetime and do it through loophole. Now, the videographer goes out, they, they take pictures, they do a lot of film. Does the videographer go back and put it together or is it given to the hunter to put together or is it done in collaboration with the hunter? So our videographer and then our in-house creatives, because we've got a few of those here at Loophold, they will work to actually craft the, the film or mini-series, which we will absolutely share with the hunter. And then the winning hunter will also get a whole gallery of photos from the hunt to keep and things like that. So you'll, you'll get some content to save and to show your friends, family, kids, the whole deal. But know that we handle the production side. We'll take care of that. You know, We put in the hours and we craft the film. All you've really got to do is get to where you want to hunt and do your thing. Our videographer will just going to kind of be your shadow, tag along. The two videographers we have picked out are both very experienced backcountry hunters. They, they 100% will be able to keep up with you. We are not concerned there. They know what they're doing. They won't be a liability. They're going to be safe. They're going to be fit. They're going to be able to climb mountains if that's what you're doing. Yeah, and they're just kind of there to be your shadow. Everything else is business as usual. We don't want to impact anyone's hunt in any way. Is the hunt limited to the United States? Does that take place in the U.S. or could it take place north of the border in Canada or maybe south of the border? You know, for right now, the hunts are limited to the United States, just a kind of a laws and liabilities thing. And there are a few locations in the U.S. that are covered in our full rule uh, set of rules that are available on our website that we can't go into just because of uh, film issues. There, there are certain spots in the United States where essentially getting a license to film is borderline impossible. So if you check out the full rules on the website, uh, that will walk you through where, uh, you know, the places we can't really send a, a video team, but those are pretty limited. So we, we don't expect that to impact many applications, if any at all. And I'm guessing, I mean, we've been talking big game, but it doesn't have to be a big game hunt. I mean, you can be an upland bird hunter going after desert quail or maybe a, a great pheasant hunt or maybe a waterfowl hunt, and that can be an application too, can it? Oh, absolutely. This is not about the animal, right? We don't need this to be a 25-point elk tag or a Shira's moose or a grizzly or anything like that. What we're looking for is the right story. And, you know, one of those hunts may well be the right story, but it's not tied to the trophy or the horns, right? It could be an upland hunt that you've been doing with your mom or your dad or your son or your daughter for the last 30 years. It could be a waterfowl hunt where you know, it's a group of guys or gals that have been hunting together since the 60s, right? These are all stories that are dynamic and can be told and will be told if we get the application. I absolutely love this. Again, folks, if you want to have your hunt filmed, the place to go is loophole.com backslash project hunt. Is that correct? Yep. And 
you know, if, if folks are looking for advice on maybe how to better the submission, just first be sure to read through the rules and, and provide us everything we need. One thing that we occasionally do have an application miss is the two-minute video. And the reason we ask for that is just to really get a, a more personal feel for who we'll be filming. You know, we're not looking for you to do this fully produced two-minute with, you know, video with graphics and title cards and all that. Just It could just be you talking to your phone for two minutes and explaining to us why you're hunt is a cool story, right? Why we should be coming out to film you. Very straightforward, very simple. These aren't going to be publicly shared, but that is a requirement, and it's it's really a way to, to better your case. All right. Film your hunt. Do so with Loophole through their program Project Hunt. The website to go to, again, is loophole.com backslash Project Hunt. John, thanks so much for sharing this with us today on America Outdoors Radio. Thank you, John. Next, I want to tell you something I really love about our friends at Henry Repeating Arms. They're a company that cares about people, and their Guns for Great Causes program is the perfect example of this. Henry Repeating Arms announced a donation of 65 custom support for Sammy rifles, and this raised a total of $46,700, all of which is going to benefit the family of 11-year-old Sammy Bernadiskowski of Elk Ridge, Maryland. The money provides relief for the medical expenses she's incurred through treatments for multiple congenital heart defects, which includes five open-heart surgeries. I've got to tell you, Henry Repeating Arms, they've done similar fundraisers with custom-made engraved rifles for kids battling life-threatening medical conditions for years. And it speaks so well of this company that makes all of its rugged, reliable, great-looking firearms right here in America. You can find out more about the Guns for Great Causes program and check out the lineup of lever-action rifles and other firearms from Henry Repeating Arms at henryusa.com. That's henryusa.com. And don't forget to ask for your free catalog and decals while you're there. Hunting and fishing are exercises in hope. Before you head into the woods, you hope to tag out on a deer you'll have to field dress. Before you make that first cast, you hope for a big fish to clean and fillet. When your hopes are realized, you'll need a sharp knife. Whether you sharpen that blade on a power sharpener in the shop or a manual sharpener in the field, WorkSharp has the tool for you. Look for WorkSharp products in sporting goods stores near you or online at WorkSharpTools.com. From a bull elk ripping a bugle across the valley to wing beats on a duck marsh, public lands and waters are integral to our outdoor heritage. Become a member of Backcountry Hunters and Anglers and stand up for our public lands and waters. Visit backcountryhunters.org today. Welcome back to America Outdoors Radio. I'm John Cruz, and welcome back to the issue of corner crossing. As you may recall, we talked about this a few weeks ago because it is becoming a real issue in this day and age of Onyx and other GPS apps where hunters have the ability to get onto public lands even if they are not connected side by side. There's a lot of hodgepodge of lands out there, especially in the West, where you might have one square mile is public land, one square mile is private land, and it's arranged in a checkerboard fashion. So using apps like Onyx, hunters will literally 
take a stepladder and go from one corner of public land to another corner of public land without ever stepping foot on private land. Well, some of the private landowners don't like this. And in Wyoming, a case was filed against four Missouri hunters who were doing this very thing. With us here to tell you more about it and how that case went is Peter Kassab. He is the co-chair for the Backcountry Hunters and Anglers Wyoming chapter. Peter, welcome to the show. Thanks, John, for having me. So did I sum up corner crossing, at least the concept, fairly well there? Yes, you did. Yes, you did. And what I would also say is it pertains to corner crossing. What makes it a more glaring subject matter is GIS. The capabilities associated with hunting apps or tracking apps like Onyx allows individuals to get right to that corner within several feet of the corner. Right. It's not like the old days where you had a topo map and you're trying to figure out exactly where that stake or that actual boundary might be. It's not an easy thing to do, folks, especially when you're out in the middle of nowhere. So let's talk about this criminal trespass case that was filed against four Missouri hunters by the Carbon County, Wyoming attorney. I understand that Initially, the hunters did contact Wyoming Game and Fish, and they also talked to a Carbon County deputy and both said, we're not going to do anything about it if this is what you're doing. Isn't that correct? That's correct. The hunters actually erected a ladder and crossed specifically right on the corner. And before they did, they contacted both the game warden and the deputy sheriff and asked them if they were going to be cited or charged concerning going over the ladder and crossing the corner in that fashion. And they were told they would not be cited. So let me get this straight. These four Missouri hunters had actually contacted Wyoming Game and Fish. They had also contacted a Carbon County deputy. They told them exactly what they were going to do in terms of this corner crossing. And both gave the go-ahead, said that no charges were going to be filed against them. Isn't that true? Yes, it is true. Somehow... The county attorney decides to file charges. Was this at the behest of the landowner who owns the Elk Mountain Ranch? Yes, we believe that there was pressure applied. There was actually body cam video from a 3 a.m. event when the deputy sheriff and game warden were called to come out and cite the individuals where statements were made concerning the amount of land as well as money that the property owner of Elk Mountain Ranch had. Oh, nothing like a little bit of old-fashioned influence peddling there, but I understand it didn't work on that deputy or that game warden. They still refused to cite, isn't that correct? At so, that time, that's correct. Interesting. Folks, if you don't know, in my previous life, I actually was a law enforcement officer for 24 years, and I know, generally speaking, to commit a crime, you have to knowingly do something. That includes criminal trespass. At least that's the way the statute is written in most states. How could the county attorney file charges against four hunters who did their homework. They checked, they were told it was okay, and all of a sudden now they're being charged. Well, bluntly put, they were charged on violating the airspace above the corner crossing, that physically their body could not cross over that ladder without touching the airspace on the private ground associated with Elk Mountain Ranch. I would have loved to have been the defense attorney on this one, saying that you better cite every airliner that flies over the corner of that ranch there. But I'm sure the defense attorney did a good job without my help. So you have this situation where, again, they've twice been told by law enforcement that they're not going to be charged. All of a sudden, they are charged. They're facing potential fines and jail time. 
and they approached the Wyoming chapter of Backcountry Hunters and Anglers for help. Tell our listeners more about that and the help that your chapter provided. We actually had some phone conversations with the Missouri Four back in November, and we offered to set up a GoFundMe page and try and solicit support to help them with their legal fees, knowing that each hunter had to have their own lawyer and representation associated with the case and that it was going to get extremely costly for those four hunters, um, which again pushed us to start the GoFundMe page to help support them. How much money were you able to raise for their legal fees through that GoFundMe campaign? $71,000 to date. Oh and that ranges from $5 to $5,000. We've gotten donations from literally not only from the United States, but our farthest away donation is Australia. Why do you think so many people contributed? Why do you think this corner crossing case speaks to so many people? A, a couple things. I think that there's a tremendous amount of interest in getting into the outdoors that we may have not had pre-COVID. When you look at the hunter numbers as well as the angling numbers, they've exploded over the last couple of years. And there's not more ground being made. It gives an opportunity when and if it is legal. And I will say that this court case did not set a precedent. And I'll clearly say that once it is legal to corner cross, when that day does come, hopefully it comes, there'll be access across the West to 8.2 million additional acres for people to be able to enjoy that they haven't been able to enjoy in decades. So the trial occurred this past month in Rollins, Wyoming. There were six jurors seated, three women, three men. And what was their decision? Their decision was unanimous, not guilty. How long did it take him to come to that decision? Two hours. Just about enough time to pick a foreman and get your free lunch, and that was about it? Yeah, clearly that was it. Wow. Well, that's pretty astounding. Why do you think that decision was made the way it was? I believe the facts really stood for themselves in this case, taking the emotion out of it and the issues associated with it. When you look at the pure facts, there was no way to convict these individuals. I'm glad the jury came to what you and I would agree is the right decision here. And you talked about precedent. This only happened in a county court in Wyoming, so it's definitely not a Supreme Court decision for Wyoming or the United States Supreme Court. Does it set any precedence as all? Is there going to be any ripple effects, do you think, from this ruling that's going to help us in terms of accessing public lands through corner crossing? Not at this time. And what I would say is there's a civil case that the date has not been set for that Elk Mountain Ranch has taken against the Missouri Four. That case is pending. It's going to be in federal court. So we're really in a state of to be continued. No one but no one should take this ruling for these four hunters as open access to corner crossing. Well, this is a topic that's going to be with us for a while, as you just heard. If you want to find out more about it and keep up on it, go to the Backcountry Hunters and Anglers website. You'll find that at backcountryhunters.org. That's backcountryhunters.org for the Backcountry Hunters and Anglers who, by the way, are having their annual rendezvous this weekend in Fort Missoula in Montana. And consider joining this organization, too, if you're a hunter, an angler, or just an outdoors enthusiast who wants to recreate 
on our public lands and have the most access to them, this is the organization for you. Pete, thanks so much for sharing this with us today on America Outdoors Radio. You're welcome, John. This portion of the show is brought to you by our friends at WorkSharp. And if you are hunting this fall, you know the importance of a sharp knife. You're going to need it for gutting that animal, butchering that animal, taking the hide off that animal, and there's a good chance you have to sharpen it more than once while you're doing these things in the field. That's why a pocket knife sharpener or the guided field sharpener from WorkSharp are great items to have with you. Whether you're after deer, elk, pronghorn, or bear... A sharp knife helps you get things done after you drop that animal. Look for WorkSharp products at sporting goods stores, hardware stores, and ranch and home stores near you, or online at WorkSharpTools.com. That's WorkSharpTools.com. Ready to step up to a quality-built rifle or shotgun that's a true classic? Check out Henry Repeating Arms, American-made. There's over 150 models to choose from in a variety of finishes and calibers for hunters and target shooters. Many of these are lever-action models with a classic look right out of the Old West. Don't be deceived, though. Henry Repeating Arms are modern, rugged, reliable, and have a lifetime guarantee. Find out more and order a free catalog today at HenryUSA.com. That's HenryUSA.com. We love our children. We protect them. We guide them. We prepare them for life in the world. With all that we do from deep in our hearts, we cannot control all things. Life-threatening illnesses and disabilities affect far too many of our children each year. While we cannot change the circumstances, we can make dreams come true. Dreams to provide hope, to provide spiritual healing and strength, to provide moments of happiness and relief in the darkest of times. We can give a glimmer of light and hope in a time of darkness and despair. Join huntofalifetime.org to help make dreams come true. To provide hope for children with life-threatening illnesses and disabilities, Hunt of a Lifetime is a nonprofit organization fulfilling dreams for hunting and fishing trips to youth 21 and under with life-threatening illnesses and disabilities. Visit huntofalifetime.org to learn how you can make a difference. That's huntofalifetime.org. Mike Lindell, the inventor and CEO of MyPillow, wants to give you even more incredible discounts. If you go to MyPillow.com right now and click on the radio listener special, you'll see an incredible lineup. In fact, right now, it's the bedding sale. 50% off the following. Sheets, a 2-inch mattress topper, sleepwear, blankets, quilts, comforter. I'm Ken Matthews. I'm a big fan of Mike and a real big fan of MyPillow.com. That's where you need to go, by the way. You go to MyPillow.com. You scroll down till you get to the radio listener specials. Then you click on it. That's where you're going to save big when you enter the code Ken. That's my name, Ken. For example, a full body pillow... Regularly priced $117, now only $39.99. Made in America, comfortable, luxurious quality from my friend Mike Lindell at MyPillow.com. Enter promo code KEN. MyPillow.com, promo code KEN. Campers, adventure seekers, hunters, and foodies. No matter the lifestyle, we can all agree on one thing. Great food and great people are worth remembering. 
At Camp Chef, we don't just make grills. We create each product knowing that a warm meal is always better when it's shared with those we love. Learn more about Camp Chef grills, smokers, and portable cooking equipment at CampChef.com. That's CampChef.com for a better way to cook outdoors. Next up on America Outdoors Radio, Memorial Day weekend is creeping up on us, and that means it's time to think about camping. And if you're going camping, you're going to be doing some cooking. That's why we've got Brooks Hansen on the line with Camp Chef Brooks. Welcome back to the show. Thanks, John. Glad to be on the show. I hope things are going well up in your neck of the woods and you're getting ready for a warm, fun summer, I hope. I am definitely doing well in my neck of the woods. I'm actually heading to Mexico this week, and I'm going to be doing some bass fishing. So things don't get much better than that. But getting back to camping, let's talk about some campsite cooking hacks for the Outdoor Junkie. Great blog article that was just released by Camp Chef. And I guess I've never thought of this before, you know, prepping for cooking before you even leave the house, you can do a lot of prep work to make cooking out at the, the old picnic table at the campground really easy, can't you? You sure can. You know, one of my favorite things or my best friends recently has been a vacuum sealer. Not only for processing wild game and fish or whatever, but for prep work for camp or any type of hunting camp. It's awesome because you can do all your chop, all your prep work maybe, and then you can put it in the vacuum sealer. It's sealed ready to go. Then when you get to camp, all you got to do is open the bag and dump in your pot and go. Or another good opportunity is you might pre-mix some pancake mix and put it in a squeeze bottle or a jug. And then all that prep work and mess is taken care of at home in the kitchen where you're probably more accustomed to doing it and not in the campsite. Eliminates garbage and gets you that much more ahead when it comes time to eat dinner and allows you more time to play while you're camping. Let's talk about a couple things you ought to bring with you, and this also goes into prep because this helps you pack. I mean, you gave me about a 1,000 flexible cutting boards from Camp Chef, and I think we gave out about five or 600 at the sportsman shows this year. These things are great. People absolutely love them when it comes to camping, whether they're in an RV or at a campground. Well, the cool thing is they're thin, they're flexible, and they'll fit in about any space that you've got. And they're also disposable, so you can throw them away. So if they get too out of hand, I keep mine and wash them and use them. They're just awesome because they take up not a lot of room, but yet they're a sturdy cutting board that will save your knives and not cutting on a real hard surface. So they're, they're just awesome to have in camp. Little room allows you to cut, trim, do whatever you need to do in camp. Just, a, in my opinion, a staple that every RV or tent or camp kitchen should have. Let's talk about a, another staple that you ought to be packing with you, heavy-duty aluminum foil. Tell our listeners about some of the uses for that. Well, there's so much that you can do with foil. Whether you're cooking over an open fire and you want to do a foil dinner, the heavy-duty foil works so much better for that. Whether you're preserving food that was cooked the night before putting in the cooler so you can eat it tomorrow, foil is awesome. It also helps at the prep station. Also, you can help tent food that you're cooking like over a fire if you want to kind of use the oven style. There's a lot of uses in camp for, for foil. Let's talk about the cooler that you're going to have with you, especially if you're car camping or truck camping. I've always just dumped a bunch of ice in there, and of course it kind of makes a mess when it melts, but this hack was a really good one. Instead of ice, just freeze your water bottles and place those inside your cooler, and you recommend keeping them at the bottom of the cooler. Why is that? 
Well, your cold air is going to stay down to the bottom and it's going to keep those bottles colder longer. And here's a, a key thing, John, is everybody hears the word cooler and they immediately go to refrigerator. A cooler is not so much a refrigerator as it is an insulator. So if you start warm, it's going to stay warm and it's going to take that much more energy and time to get it down to temp. So start cold. A lot of times before I go on a long camp, I put my cooler, if I have the luxury to go to a deep freeze, I put it in the freezer and get it cold. And then I chill any of the produce. I chill it. So it's not going in warm and using that energy to draw from your ice bottles. Put those ice bottles on the bottom. They're going to stay colder longer. It's going to make it that much easier. And you want to pack that cooler as full as possible. Any extra space or open space in the cooler is going to allow for more air to get in to warm or, or bring that temperature up because we want to keep that below 40 degrees. So a cooler is a key component. This is some great advice. These are definitely some wonderful hacks for the camper out here. All right, let's talk about two other items you simply have to have if you're camping, especially if you've got a fire going. Number one, a cast iron skillet. Number two, a Dutch oven. Tell us why. Well, cast iron is kind of what we were founded on. It's like a human race in cooking <laughs> over flames, right? And so, you know, you can take a whole bunch of equipment, but if you just have to take one, take a cast iron skillet. You can put it in the fire. You can put it over open flame. You can put it over a stove and take one big enough that you can do multiple meals on. You know, you can use a cast iron skillet to do pancakes or French toast or cook bacon or sausage. You can also use it to saute vegetables. You can cook a steak. The versatility is just so strong with a cast iron skillet. And a cast iron Dutch oven, you can, once again, throw it in the fire. It can work as an oven if you're going to bake breads or rolls or any uh, types of stews um, or braising. All that stuff can be done with just those two items. I always get hungry when I talk to you, Brooks. I don't know why that is. But, folks, if you want to check out some of these items we've talked about, whether it's the flexible cutting boards or the Dutch ovens or the cast iron or any of the grills, and don't forget their two-burner propane stoves, just go to the following website, CampChef.com. It's that easy. Go to CampChef.com, check out all the products that they have at Camp Chef, and you'll also find these products in all the big box sporting goods stores and quality stores all over over America. Brooks, enjoy camping season this spring. I look forward to chatting with you again soon. You bet. Thanks, John. Yep. Have a great spring. It's time for the Trail of Shame. Shame, shame on you. Shame, shame on you. Stories of poachers, scoundrels, and other ne'er-do-wells, so if you see someone committing a criminal act on the water or in the field, turn them in. It's the right thing to do. From the Outdoor News Daily, we learn five men in Vermont are facing 78 criminal charges related to the illegal take of 14 deer in Windsor County last fall. On April 26th, Zachary Baxter, Jeffrey DeGrasse, Kobe Labone, Casey Thayer, and Patrick Whitcomb, all 20-something-year-olds from Vermont, appeared in court to answer to these charges. These are just the charges they're facing in Vermont, by the way. New Hampshire game wardens are expected to ask for charges as well for their illegal killing of multiple deer in the Granite State. In Vermont, the men were shooting mature bucks out of season in Windsor County, and this case illustrates what a big deal poaching is and how it impacts hunting. According to Mark Scott, the Wildlife Division Director for Vermont Fish and Wildlife, it will take three to four years for the deer population in Windsor County to recruit additional mature bucks and replace those that were illegally taken this fall. 
Scott went on to say, poaching at this scale is a blow both to the local deer herd and to Vermont's culture of fair and equal access to public trust wildlife. The good news about these investigations, it was ethical hunters who saw and heard about what was happening that turned these poachers in. Here's hoping the judge throws the book at them and that they learn their lesson and do not do this again. And if you witness or hear about a poaching incident in your neck of the woods, notify your local fish and game agency. And yes, you can remain anonymous when you do so. As we wrap things up, I've got a programming note for you. You're going to be hearing a best-of edition of America Outdoors Radio next weekend. The reason why? Well, that's because I am heading to Mexico this weekend, and I won't be back in studio until next Sunday the 15th. I'm going to be flying into Mazatlan and heading about an hour and a half north of there in a shared van with several other men and women. We're all going to Angler's Inn at Lake El Salto. The lodge is owned by Billy Chapman, and our host, Mike Whitlow, will be spoiling us rotten as we fish for big largemouth bass every day with local guides. This is the sort of lake where you and your buddy can sometimes catch 60 to 80 bass or more a day, and that includes bass north of 6 or 7 pounds with the occasional 10-pound Florida strain largemouth bass coming to the net. In addition to the fishing, I know I'm going to be very well fed, and based on what others have told me that have been there, the customer service is outstanding. I cannot wait to share this adventure with you. We'll be putting a show together about all of this while we're there and airing it. The weekend of the 21st, it promises to be a show you won't want to miss. In the meantime, if you want to find out about catching a whole bunch of bass and big ones at Mexico's famed Lake El Salto, go to anglersin.com. That's the website, anglersin.com. And we'll have information for you about how to book a trip with our host, Mike Whitlow, when you get back. And with that, it is time for me to say... Adios, amigos, and here's hoping while I'm having fun, you get to do the same. After all, it is your country and your outdoors, so get out there and enjoy it. I'm Craig Boddington. I've written about hunting for 40 years, much of it in bear country. I trust my life to bear spray because the research is in. It stopped bears 92% of the time and prevented injury 98% of the time. Bear spray requires less accuracy and won't harm your companions or the bear. Carry bear spray in bear country. Keep it accessible and practice.